Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. Look, for many of you, you've heard me talk about what it means to be able to step forward and get the kind of care that people need. Today, breaking linguistic barriers in the hospital is more important now than it ever has been. Dr. Adam Sonavend is joining me here today, Director of Hispanic Brain and Spine Tumor Program at Northwest Memorial Hospital. And, you know, as many of you have heard me talk about, especially recently, my South American roots, grandfather being born in Brazil, one of the things that I will tell you all is when it comes to our care, Having any kind of cultural difference is just unacceptable. Dr. Sonovan, thank you for joining us here today. I'm very excited about what you're doing. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you this morning. Uh, let, let's just get to the, to the point right out of the gate. This is important, but I want to tell our public how seriously important this is. And, you know, you with, you know... As many degrees as you have, as many places as you've studied, as many organizations as you've been uh, involved in, peer articles, book chapters, and I can go on. I know one thing for sure. You have seen the barriers in the Hispanic and Latino community. Tell us what the state really of this is and why this is important to you. Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, I would say there's something very personal about this for me because I was born and raised in Mexico. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's very important to, to recognize that when it comes to cancer, a lot can be lost in translation. And, you know, us as physicians need to communicate with the patient the diagnosis, which is often difficult to do, uh, the treatment options. And as you know, every treatment has its nuances. Every treatment has some advantages and has some risks or downsides to doing it and the prognosis. And so it's very important for us to empower the patient so that they can make decisions. Uh, it's also very important as physicians to understand who is it that we're talking to behind that diagnosis or that, that disease. There's a, there's a, a person right there who has personal beliefs, a life philosophy, preferences, family dynamics. All these things have to be taken into account, and it's really difficult to do that through an interpreter. Yeah. So this is why we wanted to start this. Yeah. You know, you said something. I want to get right to it. We're talking about the Hispanic Brain and Spine Tumor Program. We're going to get into that detail. But you said something very interesting, and it's really hard for even me to try to explain to, you know, our listeners the cultural difference. You know, in fact, personally, I've studied them. And one is that in the United States, we're considered an individualistic society. But in the Latino Hispanic community, they're considered collective society, collective culture, which means not one person makes a decision. The family's involved. And so we want to ask you this question. The Hispanic Brain and Spine Tumor Program, has that been directed at making sure that we are approaching not just the linguistic and language issues, but also making sure the inclusive collective nature of the Hispanic and, and Latino community? Correct. I think it's, it's very important to, you know, Talk to the patient and understand what are his needs. Or, you know, not to overgeneralize, but it is very, very likely that Hispanic patients will want to have the family in the room when yeah. discussing these things and would want them involved in the discussion. And we we cater to that. Yeah, let's talk about this. Break the program down for us. Let's give folks an idea of the amazing work. Dr. Adam Sonobin sure. is here today. Let, let's tell folks what you, you all have done, because this is groundbreaking sure. in more than one way. Of course. So 
Let me put it this way. When it comes to a brain tumor or a spine tumor, you, to get the best care, you need several specialists. It's a multidisciplinary thing. And you need different doctors to talk to each other and come up with a unified treatment plan. That involves a neurosurgeon, an oncologist or neuro-oncologist, a radiation oncologist, a pathologist, uh, even a physical therapist, psychologist. There's a lot of people. So we talk among ourselves and we talk to the patient and we engage with with them from the moment somebody picks up the phone to schedule an appointment during their uh, visit to the office for consultation and during the hospital stay and I would even go and say during the operation all in Spanish and let me just be very concrete right here I'll give you an example yeah um, as a neurosurgeon removing brain tumors from the brain, I often need to map the language because there's areas of the brain in charge of particular language functions. Yeah. And different languages have different sites in the brain. And it's impossible to predict. You need to go find these places. And, and to do that, we wake the patient up sometimes when indicated and monitor these languages. And, and you know, in, in this case, with a, a Hispanic patient, I will do that in Spanish. You know, the patient speaks English, I will do that in Spanish and in English so that we can preserve all these languages and the patient comes out of the surgery just the way he walked in or better. Uh, Look, you have been recognized. I I mean, even if I were simply to point out, you know, that you are one of 16 scientists in 2015, the only neurosurgeon in the United States to receive the prestigious five-year NIH Director's Early Independence Award. Now, what does that mean? What it means to me is not only are you recognized for what you're, you know, you're you're absolutely fabulous humanity effort is here in this, but you're recognized for who you are, what you've studied, your area of expertise. We're not literally talking about having a communication breakdown. What we're really talking about is if the words don't reach the patient in the way that they should, we could be losing lives. And that's really what we're talking about in this arena. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing equally important is those same words that the patient is voicing should come to the physician's attention and we should understand also what they're saying. Exactly. Um, Look, how many people are involved in this program? And and let's just make sure that everybody knows how to find out more. Um, And I'd like you to do two things, if you don't mind. Uh, I would like you to answer the question, if you could, in English. And then I would like you for Mm -hmm. our Hispanic audience to really uh, answer the question in Spanish, if you don't mind. Sure. So, so the program is composed by myself, who take care of brain tumor-related surgery, Dr. Walensky, who takes care of his spine and, and spinal cord tumor surgery. Um, he's an excellent neurosurgeon, only focused on these kinds of tumors in the spine. And by Dr. Roger Stoop, who's a world premier neuro-oncologist who's come up with at least two treatments, FDA-approved for treatments of uh, brain tumors. Um, we also have a really robust group of ancillary staff, including nurses, assistants, receptionists who make possible for us to take care of the patient in Spanish from the phone call to the discharge of the hospital stay. Um, the way to contact us, there's a phone number that, where you would get uh, somebody to pick up in Spanish and there's a, a webpage. The webpage is org slash tumor cerebral, which is T as in Thomas, U M as Mary O R C E R E B as in boy R A L tumor cerebral in span and the phone number is three one two nine two six three five seven six three one two nine two five nine two six three five seven six and to say this in Spanish yeah. la, la página de internet is N de no M de mamá punto O R G slash o, o diagonal tumor cerebral T de Tomás U M de mamá O R C E R E B de burro R A L y el número de teléfono es el 312-926-3576 um, I know our time is short here it's always way too short for me doctor you know what I mean I just, <laughs> this is a big conversation um, but, you know, Northwestern Medicine is launching Hispanic Brain and Spine Tumor Program in Chicago. Now, 
this is not a program, I believe, just for Chicago. What is the vision for sharing the program and getting this program in those communities that need it most. And congratulations on this. But you know me, I'm a girl from uh, the projects in New York, right? And so I want to know how are we going to get this program into those other communities? And maybe you don't have an answer, but at least share your vision. (laughs) Yes, of course. I would say this... uh... It requires a little bit of interest on the hospital administrations and physicians to just organize themselves because I bet there's almost any hospital that has some people who speak Spanish or any given language. But what's not been done so far is to organize things so that when a patient walks in, they ask him, what language do you prefer to be managed in? And is there a physician who can speak that language so we can assign them to you? If you give these options to patients and you just organize the resources you already have, I can tell you it would make a big difference. I would just finish by saying this is Panic Brain and Spine Tumor is a, is a unique program, but there's an, a very interesting program that was done here at Northwestern for transplant in Latin patients that was literally transplanted to other sites in the U.S., also Hispanic. So this can happen. Last question for you. I know you got to run. Thank you, first of all, for being instrumental in what you do. Uh, Thank you for being passionate. I'd like to know your personal message. What would you like to leave our community with? And again, if you don't mind, in both English and Spanish. Yeah, I would just say don't settle for less. You deserve the best care, best communication, and a warm touch if you have a brain and spine tumor. These diagnoses can be treated. You, you can make a difference. You can live a long time and have good quality of life. And to say this in Spanish, es, es muy importante que uno como paciente demande una atención ideal para, para un, un diagnóstico como un tumor del cerebro de la columna. Y es importante que esto se haga eh, siendo muy sensible a las necesidades que uno tiene. Este tipo de diagnósticos no son una sentencia de muerte necesariamente y puede uno vivir mucho tiempo con buena calidad de vida si uno tiene la atención oportuna. Oh, it, thank you so much. Uh, for those of you out there, I want to say again, uh, go to the website N as in Nancy, M as in Mary, dot O-R-G, and then you put the forward slash tumor cerebral, T-U-M-O-R-C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L, Go to your hospital, ask for this, have them call folks, and let's get this done. Thank you, doctor. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com, and listen to the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. Pacific with host Sherry Clark. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. You know that moment when you realize you've mastered your wellness or that you will never fall off the roller coaster of life? Well, yeah, me either. But I still ride unicorn. I will teach you how to become a mindset master. You will learn how your habits and behavior affect the success of your nutrition and exercise, relationships, organization, and so much more. Motivation doesn't arrive in an email, so stop waiting for it. You have to take action, then motivation follows. I am Coach Peggy Well. Get out of your comfort zone and recognize the simple truth. We aren't that special. We all have crap to deal with, and we all have a lot more in common than not. I want to spark you into action. We will learn, love, and laugh together. So join me every first and third Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific for Coach Couch and Coffee Radio, where you will learn that being happy and healthy is way more than carrot sticks and squats. Talk to you later. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our good news segment. Look, if you are like me, 
You are scratching your head right about now, probably going to wait for the last minute, you know, thinking, oh my God, what am I going to get? Okay, we have got the answer for you. Gifting guesswork. Be gone. That's what I like. Like, be gone. Shelly Hunter joining me here today. Are you ready? Wait for it. The gift card girlfriend celebrates mom, dad, and grad, and then maybe celebrate yourself with the gift of choice. Uh, you know, the gift card girlfriend. Hi, girlfriend. Hi, how are you? I love your energy. <laughs> Look it. I don't think I'm like the craziest person on the planet when I say, wait to the last minute, don't know what to get, and then always barrel down to the bottom of the pile with the candy and the flowers. So let us change that thing up. All right. Loving the gift card. Tell me from your perspective why this is so super important for you and what is it that got you behind this idea, gift card girlfriend? Well, I love gift cards. I mean, quite honestly, a good 10 years ago, gift cards were just coming out about. You were starting to see them in lots of stores and restaurants, and I love to receive them. I, I guess I was just so tired of receiving clothing that I didn't really want or I had to return, and I felt so ungrateful. And so I love to receive gift cards, but like so many people, I had that moment of thinking, oh, no, is this impersonal? And so I really started Gift Card Girlfriend because – I wanted to show people that any gift card can be a personal gift. And that's where it really started it for me. Yeah. You want me to do my uh, snoring, snoozing sound effect for you? Uh, but I totally, <laughs> look it, I get it. And so we have come a long way from the very first gift card I think I bought to where we are today. Now we are looking yeah about how to get creative. So people, when they say gift cards, they're like, oh, how am I going to get? Look, tell us what it is we can do to push this up a few notches and get some gift cards to thrive by. I love it. Okay, so there's a brand new gift card that everyone needs to know about. These are called happy cards. <gasps> the reason I love these cards so much is that each gift card is usable at a variety of stores and restaurants. So you've got graduation coming up, for example. Well, there's a happy student gift card, and it's usable at Dell, Bed Bath & Beyond, Burger King, American Eagle, and other stores that students like to shop. It's Mother's Day. There's a happy lady gift card, and it's usable at Sephora and Spa Finder and Cheesecake and Panera. And before... These were gift cards. You had to decide which one. Do I want to get a spa finder or do I want to get Sephora? With the happy cards, one card and the recipient gets a whole bunch of choices. So I just love this new version of gifting. I love the happy card. We've been actually called the happy network. We're actually an all positive yeah. talk network. So happy, happy, happy. But here's the thing. Many people think, oh, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to get it? How creative can I be? But, you know, gift cards allow people to make those decisions instead of you and me trying to be psychic mind readers. Oh, I have to have some great psychics <laughs> on the network. But that is not my wheelhouse. So how can we make yeah. these personal? How can we put our beautiful kiss of love on them? And believe me, I have put lipstick kiss on my gift cards. But I'm not saying to do that. <laughs> Well, I think even the right words can make any gift card more personal. So if you take these happy cards, for example, and you tuck one in a greeting card for mom and you say something like, mom, thank you for all the times you tried to make me happy, you know, or thank you for the happy childhood we had. This is just a nice little show of appreciation. Another thing you can do and really was the foundation of Gift Card Girlfriend is I always just like to give the recipient a little something they can use in the moment. And that something speaks to them. So for my kids, it might be their favorite candy. For my dad, I'm going to make him the cherry cheesecake that he loves. Uh, for my mom, maybe I'm going to buy her that lipstick, the same one she's been buying for 25 years, because it just says, I know you. Mm. Uh, yeah, probably the lipstick I put on my gift card. Okay. I, th I know. Are, yeah. you, are you thinking that that's over the top a little bit? But it's actually not. It's actually a really cool, cool idea. Oh. But you know what I had to do after I did the lipstick? I had to get what is that hard finishing that you put on your nails that clear? So I had to put that on it. Oh, I yeah. sealed it. Right. Well, look, yeah. I, I know. Um, 
How do we find out more? Let's, because I always run out of time because there's so much to talk about. I am so jazzed about this. Let's give out the website so we can have folks to, you know, look at this and figure out what to do like now and not wait to the 11th hour. So you can find all of these happy cards at giftcards.com. And if it is the 11th hour, go to any major grocery store across the country and you're going to find a big happy card display where all the gift cards are. There's, it's big and colorful and it says happy so you can't miss it. Okay, so a couple of things, you know, that I learned the hard way. One is you got to really look at this from an effectiveness point of view. So when you're going to buy the gift cards, you should really manage your your budget around this. Because if you're like me, you get one, then you get another and you don't know. You know, is that important or do you find people are really mindful about what they're doing here? Well, I think that you always have to be mindful of your budget uh-huh. and when you are buying gift cards. I mean, we used to do everything we could to ensure the recipient had no idea how much money we spent on them. And now we're telling them exactly, I spent $25 on mm. this relationship. So I think the more important part is to draw the focus away from that into the more personal side of it. So if I'm going to give you $25, then I need to buy a gift card that's usable within that space. Um, that Panera, Jamba Juice, a Happy Bites gift card, $25 will go a long way, and they could use it multiple times. But I wouldn't give a $25 gift card to maybe a high-end steakhouse where they're going to have to spend at least that much to enjoy the gift card. So I think it's important to be mindful of how much money you spend and how flexible the gift card is for the recipient. Uh, look, Shelly, look, you are known. And by the way, if you all just tuned in, this is Shelly Hunter a.k.a. the gift card girlfriend. But more than that, you're somebody that is out there in this field, in the market. This is clearly your wheelhouse. You must have learned some things over time. Give me your top three that that says, oh, wait a minute, I'm the gift card girlfriend and this is a new idea for me. What did you learn? Give me your top three of, look, if you're going to do this, folks, do these three things. Right. Number one, Use your gift cards right away. When people, the things that happen with gift cards is that people hold on to them, they throw them in a drawer, they forget they have them. And then they sometimes find out the store's closed or there's fees that took some of the balance. So number one, I want you to use your gift cards right away. Number two, if you really will not use it, you say to yourself, not for me, not my style, not my location, then sell that gift card. You can sell it and get cash back on a number of gift card resellers online. And finally, I would say, save your own budget and think about gift cards, gifting occasions coming up. So maybe the gift card isn't good for you, but would it be a great wedding present to give to somebody else? Would it be a great graduation gift? So don't hold on to gift cards forever. Use them yourself, sell them, or find a way to give them to somebody else and save your budget that way. Yeah. Can I make true confessions? Yes. Oh, my God. Do I dare admit this? So I was getting ready for the show and Linda had organized my desk. And so I'm going in the desk and I find all these gift cards and I pull one out because I was looking at, you know, the. (laughs) Okay, you want to take a guess at how old this movie gift card is? Oh, no. Movie gift card. Okay. Two thousand and three. Blockbuster. Two (laughs) thousand. Oh, my God. I'm not even going to pull out my blockbuster one. 2003, <laughs> 2003. And, you know, what you're oh, saying no. is so true because, look, there's a psychology to this. But more important, I want to get back to the happy idea. Look, yeah, this is a way to not only express ourselves in the age that we live in. We live in the digital age. But what you're talking yeah. about is being able to create the same kind of vibration and energy around this that was once put in to the traditional storefront. And I want to talk about that for a minute because many people think, ah, gift card's so impersonal. But the this market has changed, at least from my perspective. How do we share that with yeah. our listeners to say, wait a minute, this has really changed. We can do stuff differently now. This can be personal. Yeah, I have to tell you. I mean, when people give me presents, like I love my mom, but she buys me the clothes she thinks I should wear. <laughs> oh, I know. They're not my style, <laughs> right? Think, and then I, I feel guilty. I got to wear them, those oh. black shoes I never liked. I never felt good in them, but I wore them because she bought them for me. When she gives me a gift card, though, 
boy, I get to buy what I really want. And it's such a better experience than all the traditional gifting leading up to that. Yeah. So I put a little uh, ping out there the other day. I said, OMG, I have got a very big dentist bill coming. And I went to my dentist and I said, hey, do you guys give gift cards? Dentist is like, no, but what a great idea. But this is really, because aren't we talking about setting a different direction? And that's called trend, right, Shelly? That's called trend. Mm -hmm. We are trying to take this conversation to the way people want the product, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, one of the best gift cards I gave my mom was she had just moved from her home. She moved to an apartment, and I got her a gift card to a car wash. And, you know, you might say, well, that's impersonal. I tell you, that was her favorite Mother's Day gift that year because once a month she went and got her car detailed, and she felt really good about it, and it was a really great experience. And honestly, she texted me throughout the year, I just got my car washed. Thank you again so much. It really creates a bonding experience between the giver and the receiver that I don't think you got before. Absolutely not got before. But, you know, you're in, your mother and me, we could be twins. I have a, like a bright orange <laughs> SUV. I love my car. Right now, it doesn't look orange. It looks brown. So uh, that would be, <laughs> would be a great idea for me. Okay, look, tell people how they can find out more. And then I've got one, one question. I know you're busy. I know you're hopping around. I don't want to take up all of your time. But please give out the website again. And then I, I have one more question for you. All right, you can find all of the gift cards we've talked about on giftcards.com. And if it is last minute, head to the grocery store. You'll find happy cards where all the other gift cards are in a big happy display that you just can't miss. I love it. Okay, I want to ask you this question that is about the future because you're on the edge of things, right? You're right there. How do you see the whole gift card arena, your vision? I'm not going to hold you to it. And that's why we call it a vision and like not a thing. But how do you see the direction of gift cards going? Like if you had your wish list, how would you see this going? Well, I think that we will eventually have more digital gifting and we have another uphill battle there again, right? But Mm -hmm. in making that feel personal. But if you think about it, like the next generation, everything is digital to them. Everything is about an in-game experience, right? They're always trying to earn points or something on the games they're playing. And so they're very motivated by rewards and and digital things. And they actually don't care about the physical presentation of something. In fact, if you give a teenager a gift card, they often will have it spent before the party's over. Yes. So I think that some of this personalization hang up is our generation. But as we move forward, it will become more like branded currency where um, stores will say, hey, I want my branded currency in your um, experience. And so they'll be working harder to say, if you have a gift card, come spend it this weekend at our store. If you have, um, did you get a gift card for Mother's Day? Come redeem it this weekend and we'll give you 10% off. I see it just becoming more like this, you know, um, a medium of transition, a transaction that we use um, throughout our day, not just on a specific occasion. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. One of the things that we're, we're in the both radio and video business too. And one of the things that I find yeah. effective is I took a, they took a B-roll of me doing a holiday. Um, what do you call that? A blooper? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so what we discovered is if you're going to give people something, you can go to like Adobe Spark or one of these other places, create like a really cool video and send your digital gift card. But today... Yeah. We're yeah. talking about get your happy, get your happy on, get your happy on, right? Get your happy on, get it at the grocery store, get it online, you know, just be happy, Spend, buy gift cards. Be happy with Shelly Hunter, a.k.a. a.k.a. the gift card girlfriend. Shelly, thank you so much for today. You rock. Thank you for having me. You are awesome, too. All right. Told you. Yep. Clean up batter, Shelly. <laughs> you know what? You should always be the last one because you just lifted my energy oh, from, you know, the basement I was headed towards. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I love what you're doing because anybody that's Thank like you. me, this is the perfect gift to allow people to become empowered. And that's what I love. And you're yeah. awesome, Shelly. Thank you so much for today. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Shelly Hunter, everybody. And look, you know, get it. This is it, www.giftcards.com.
Oh, boy, this is exciting. Let's take a short break. I'll be right back. This is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. Anger, on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. (laughs) The more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Listen, this is our Good News segment. You know, here's something that I am so thrilled. We have somebody joining us here today that can help us with this. Nathan Hemelgarn joining us, Senior Brand Director for the Consumer Business at Carson DeLosa Education. Now, here's what I want to say. For those of you out there that are thinking about summer, summer fun, you're not thinking about school. I got to tell you, you're talking to somebody that spent most summers in school. And that's a whole other show. But there's a very good reason to have this conversation. And why is it that even if we learn a skill, let's say a sport, and we don't play it, uh, like my mom used to say, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Today, hitting the brakes on the summer slide, what is it that you guys are doing? Nathan, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. You know, I think we're now learning uh, about us in the United States and our learning schedule. For example, the way we educate our kids and adults now, um, and, and most countries don't take, quote, summers off. Let's take an idea of what this summer vacation for students is about. Uh, and is there an importance to recoup after 10 months of hard work? And honestly, it is hard work, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is um, learning needs to happen year-round. And it's just like you had mentioned, like your brain is a muscle and you have to work it out every day. Um, school is really intense. They spend 10 months in a classroom, you know, seven, eight hours a day. They've got all their extracurricular activities and it comes to summer and it's like, okay, I just want to play. I want to zone out and sit on the couch. As they get older, I want to sleep in and, you know, not get up till noon or whatever time it happens to be. But that doesn't stop the fact that learning is important. And if you don't flex those muscles throughout the summer, you will learn or you will lose some of that learning over there. Research has shown that you can lose up to two months of learning over that summer, which then drives teachers to spend up to four weeks reviewing the previous year just to get the students back on track. You know, let me talk to you about what it is that you all have discovered. One of the things that I'm learning about learning, because I, I'm one of these folks, I'm considered learning different, right? That's the, that's the latest term we mm-hmm. use for people like me. But I also went back to school for an advanced degree later in life, and I was still learning different. But one of the things mm-hmm. that I discovered, there are now new ways for students to engage and learn and fun ways, right? Tell us what you all yeah. are saying about this, because we don't have to be like old school, the way I grew up kind of learning thing. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not looking to learning over the summer doesn't have to be a replication of sitting in a classroom for seven hours a day is like it is the other 10 months of the year. Really, you know, the point is, is to find that interest point that your child has and use that as a pivot point and a point to jump off to expand their learning from there. So if you have a child that's interested in dinosaurs or a particular sport or cooking, use that as an area and, a, and an experience that they're already interested in and add to it. So if you talk about cooking, you know, we know there's a lot of math in there on measurements and stuff like that. You could talk to your child what happens about it if you double the recipe or cut it in half, where do you get there? That's adding your math. It could be a science experiment. What happens if you change one of the ingredients? Does it taste as good? It's really just finding those small learning moments throughout the day that can help your child be ready for that next year. It's not, this, isn't ha- this does not have to be an arduous task. It's really just 
focusing a little bit more in engaging your child in that learning. I want to take a minute and talk about uh, you guys. I want to talk about Carson DeLosa for a minute. And the reason I want to do that is, uh, first of all, let's just get everybody to your website because when they go to your website, they're going to find a number of things. So let's tell people the best way to find out more about this and get access to some of the free resources you all have. Sure. So our website is CarsonDeLosa.com, C-A-R-S-O-N-D-E-L-L-O-S-A.com. We were formed and started by two teachers over 40 years ago, and our mission has been since day one is supporting the child in their learning regardless of where they are. So if they're in the classroom, how can we support their learning there in small groups and hands-on in individual instruction differentiation? And then at home, how do we help support the parent and the child at home whenever you have those moments of homework or you know a child needs help? or even a challenge in something is really just finding ways to engage the child in their learning, regardless of where they are. That has been our core focus. Um, and one of the big things that you know, we've been doing for over 10 years and is, is raising in awareness is the summer learning loss and how important it is for the child to learn over the summer while they're not in the classroom. Do you think teachers are surprised at this point? Here, here's the question I want to ask you. Do you think teachers are surprised at this point? I, you know, I had a friend that did so much innovative uh, ways to even start a music program with ukuleles that these kids from a very diverse background got to play their ukulele on the stage at Manor Royal Hall. So how engaged or how, how should I say this? How innovative do you think we are enabling our teachers to be to even speed up that four weeks? That four weeks is a long time. Yeah. So I think it's really, you know, I think they have the opportunities to do what they do in the classroom. But I think it's, it's very important for the parents to understand the role that they play in their child's education, especially over the summer. You know, so that communication between the teacher and the parent throughout the year is really, really important. And I would say it's even more important right there at that end of the year of like, okay, now how do I keep this learning going over the summer so that you can help your child, you know, review the skills that they need to over the summer, get ready for that next year so that then those teachers don't need to spend that much time reviewing and they're off and running to the races of that particular grade. Um, you know, one of the things that we have is that Summer Bridge Activities Workbook Series. It covers yeah. math, science, social studies, and yeah. language arts that reviews the year they came out of and starts touching on the skills for next year, all with 15 minutes a day. So it's not, we're not trying to replicate the classroom. It's really just having those daily touch points so that as a parent who may not, you know, have, a, have the background of like, what kind of math is my child doing and what do they have to know? This covers all of that. You know that they're touching on the things they need to still while realizing that the summer is really important for the kids to get out, to have fun, to recharge, um, and still have those different opportunities to learn. Okay. I started to, I, I always prepare for these shows, right? <clears throat> Albeit it's a short interview. When I went to your website, here's what struck me about you guys. I went to your free resources, and when I got there, there was something I found that I had to think, am I really on this education website? So I want to talk about this for a minute. Mm -hmm. When I got here, I tapped into kindness printables, kindness printables, and I thought, Mm -hmm. what are these folks doing? Tell me about your value proposition on teaching values such as kindness? So I think it really just drives back to that, you know, education is not just those core skills. So with Summerbridge, for instance, we talk about character development and sharing and working with groups, physical fitness and healthy eating. But then also, you know, social emotional learning is really important because those types of um, skills that children have and have to learn help support them with the rest of their learning and just life in general. You know, you look at kids, you know, my daughter's leaving fifth grade and they've done so many project um, activities. So it's like there's five kids. And if one doesn't do as much as the other one did, it's starting to learn those like social interactions that help support them throughout their lives, which then drives, you know, success in education as well. Yeah. After I spent some time here, especially with the reward tags, 
I thought you mm-hmm. got you guys ought to put a bundle together for corporate America. That's that's really what I was looking at. I was like, <laughs> oh man, that, that, they got they need to expand and grow. Just call me on that. Um, I want to ask you a couple things. I know we got to. I'm not. I'm really. I'm serious about it. You know, I was a corporate consultant for over 30 years, and I got to tell you, when I went here and I looked at the principles that you are not only what you're doing to bridge the gap, but what you're doing to bring a new awareness of, of humanity in school. And a lot of times, I got to tell you, Nathan, we don't talk about teaching, education, and y- humanity-type things very often. So mm-hmm. what you all are doing is so far out of the box and needs to be in every school. I was really touched by it. What is your greatest concern, challenge, and what is your proposition to uh, – <clears throat> pretty much overcome it? So I think, you know, the the biggest challenge is really getting children engaged. Um, But I think what has come out of the last, you know, 10, 15 years in education is the realization that everyone learns in different ways. So you have, you know, your differentiation and you have the different ways to work with children in the classroom. But then at home, that's really a great place for your child to shine because you know your child better than anyone else does. Some kids may love to sit down and just do a workbook all day and, you know, do worksheets and off they go. Others really want to get their hands dirty. Some of them work better in the morning. Some of them work better in the afternoon. So I think it's really just that opportunity to realize that every learner is different and to help support them in that way so that they can achieve just as much as anyone else can. You know, I want to thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you so much. One last question to you. Please give out the website. And what's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with, Nathan? So my personal message is I really just want everyone to know that while these percentages and the learning gap seems daunting, it is completely able to be overcome. It does not take a lot to do. Learning is everywhere and engaging your child as you go through your day and as they're doing activities is really the key to making sure that they have a love of learning and can support that achievement through their whole life. Um, you can find out more about Summer Bridge. Summer Bridge activities is available at all places where books are sold. You can also find it on our website, carsondelosa.com or summerbrains.com. Awesome. Nathan, everybody, and I want to tell you, go check it out. And I got to say to everybody out there, when you go to the website, don't be thinking, oh, I wonder if my teachers have this. No, give them this education. Spread the word. We're going to take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Celebrating 40 years of peace through music. Dr. Pat Basili is thrilled to be partnering with Dudley and Dean Evanson, co-founders of Soundings of the Planet. Music and video created for peace and healing. Immerse yourself in benefits of music for meditation, relaxation, and stress reduction. This peaceful and meditative form of music is available for free on all streaming services. Search Dean Evanson on Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, and iTunes, or visit soundings.com for more information. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Listen, 2019, here's what I want to say. Everyone that is listening to this show, you've heard us talk one way or the other, about biotechnology innovation. You've heard us talk about it for a lot of reasons, but you've also heard me talk about it when it comes to Lyme disease. Today, Jim Greenwood, President, CEO of the Biotechnological Innovation Organization, is joining us here today, BIO. And what we're talking about is where were we, where are we, and how quickly can we get to where we want to be? Jim, it's great to have you. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Okay, first let's start off for folks that don't know what we're talking about, don't know about biotechnology. Give us a, mm-hmm. a breakdown because we're not just talking biotech. We're talking innovation around this. So let, give yes. us a sense of what you guys, what, what you're all about, what you do, and what the world of possibilities is for you. 
Happy to. So what is biotechnology? Biotechnology is all about understanding life. You know, bio is the Latin root for, for life. Understanding life uh, in humans and in animals and in plants and in microbes and understanding it at increasingly profound levels. How does it function at the cellular level, at the genetic level, at the molecular level? And then taking that knowledge and applying it to solving problems, most notably finding new treatments and cures and preventions for diseases, but also help, helping farmers to become more productive to feed a, a fast-growing world population and making new biomaterials and biofuels that are more uh, sustainable and less polluting. So it's taking all of that knowledge and using it to solve profound problems. Yeah, and th this is really for many people, if anybody was watching any of the movies going a couple of, well, I'm a, probably a little older than you, Jim, just saying. But if you want to go back a couple of years and you start to look at how our pop culture in Hollywood has looked at this, they fast forwarded almost like light years ahead, like about 20 years ago when we started to see ideas of biotechnology show up on the big screen in our television. Let's start for people. Uh, let's start to talk about what some examples are. And the reason I bring this up is, uh, for me, my journey has been a Lyme disease advocate for a really long time. And now what we're seeing happen with nanotechnology is just off the chart. So for you, give people a little taste of the innovative highlights, trends, and examples of what we're talking about here today. Well, you're right. Um, it's it's not unlike humans to see new scientific developments and worry about unintended consequences. That's natural. And it's not unlike Hollywood to pick on the sort of the most grotesque, uh, nightmarish outcomes and, 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 and make movies about that. But let me give you an example of something that's very recently happened that that's what's really kind of important. Uh, it's gene therapy. Many many diseases are called by caused by genetic mutations, and it's very difficult. It has historically been difficult to overcome them. Now we're able to actually correct the genetic mutations within the body. So here's an example. Uh, there's a disease that is caused by a genetic mutation in certain cells behind the eyeballs, and it renders children. Um, over a brief period of time to become blind. A little company called Spark Therapeutics in Philadelphia um, came to understand working with Children's Hospital exactly what the genetic mutation was, what uh, would be the corrective genetic sequence of DNA to put in the, uh, to replace uh, into the, those cells. They found uh, viruses that can act as vectors to safely um, escort, if you will, that DNA into those cells, and they inject that into the behind the eye, and lo and behold, now those cells have the correct genetic uh, material in them to make the proteins that are necessary, and vision is restored. So that's, you know, they, these kids are now living normal, happy lives. And this is just the beginning. That's the first, that's the first one that FDA approved. But there are 40 or 50 more uh, gene therapies for all kinds of conditions that are in the pipeline right now. Yeah. I mean, when I think about this and when I think about the arena that you live and breathe in every day, um, I'm fascinated by the world of possibilities. You know, once upon a time, Jim, I don't know if you're a big sci-fi uh, buff or not, but probably if you're in biotech, you got to have something going on there. But, you know, once upon a time, we used to say, oh, man, that's such a great fantasy. We are talking reality now. We are talking the future. We are talking where we are today. What are some of the biggest opportunities you see? I know for me, I am just watching what is happening with actually the largest, fastest growing epidemic we have in the United States. But nobody's really talking about it because we don't have the technology to really address it. For you, what's on your top three? Give us your top three at the hit parade for what we can expect. Well, uh, I would say that on the, uh, on, the, on the health side, we can expect to have more and more of these precision medicines. In other words, your cancer is a little different than my cancer, yeah. uh, is different than our neighbors. And so in order to actually precisely um, treat our cancers, what we can do is we can turn our own immune systems, 
and we're already doing this. Jimmy Carter was one of the first recipients of, um, at least the famous recipients of immunotherapy. He had uh, cancer that had metastasized to his brain. Uh, he was given this immunotherapy treatment. He's cured. I just saw on the TV yesterday, he he uh, fell down hunting turkeys, but you know, hunting turkeys is a lot better than than dying a few years ago. So, no um, you know, yeah, it's a it's a tremendous outcome. Uh, on the agricultural side, uh, we're learning how to do gene editing, so we can help farmers to avoid things like whole crops, like the citrus crop in Florida that's threatened by. Um, uh, various kinds of, of, of disease, plant diseases to be able to change the genetics of those plants so that they're resistant to those kinds of, of diseases. Very exciting and important. And then on the on the biofuel side, to be able to take material um, from plants and instead of using petroleum products to make plastic-like materials, uh, we can use plant uh, products that um, bio, actually biodegrade uh, much more readily. Uh, and because we know what a huge problem we have with plastics Are in our kidding? environment, particularly in our oceans. Oh Pardon me? Are you kidding me? Understatement right there. And I'm so glad you brought that yeah. up because, you know, look, let's talk about some of the challenges because I run into challenges every time I open my mouth and I talk about biotechnology um, because of the nature of my show. But I really am one of these people am open to innovation that not only does what you said, but you said something really interesting. You're also honoring the humanity of the world. You're honoring our planet. Give us, are these challenges in talking about biotech? And do the, the opportunities outweigh the challenges? Because if you're sick, like I've been, or Jimmy Carter, or anybody, you're saying, come on, hurry up here. Yeah. So um, the, the, uh, the, the, there are scientific challenges. We, we fail most of the time. If you look at all the Alzheimer's, um, we failed basically 100% of the time. We spend billions and billions of dollars, but we have to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ha- we're spending $250 billion a year right now on a whole host of very miserable people who surrounded by unhappy uh, families who have basically lost contact with their loved ones. Mm-hmm. That number is swelling to a trillion dollars a year as the baby boom generation ages out. So that's a huge challenge. But a a more important challenge, or at least as important challenge, is the policy challenge. Some of these drugs can be very expensive. And some people, because they have high deductibles or because the Medicare prescription drug program demands, in many cases, high out-of-pocket costs, people can't access those. They can't afford to get those products. A lot of the politicians say, well, then we have to just beat the heck out of the biotech, biopharmaceutical companies and make them lower their prices. Well, price controls will kill innovation. What we really have to focus on is how do we cap the patient's out-of-pocket costs? How do we get beyond these large deductibles, these large out-of-pocket costs? It's a moral issue. No one who needs a medicine should not be able to get it because what is required to come out of their pockets. Uh, You and me, you know, are on the same page with this. I know this is a really short interview. I know they want me to keep this uh, pretty much to 10 minutes. So how do folks find out more about this? Uh, Because I really think that what we're talking about here today, especially with what you're doing at the convention, what's showing up, I think it's important for all of us to get educated so that we don't create our own stories about what's true and what's not. So give us a website if you don't mind. Um, well, well said. So go to convention.bio.org and you can learn about our convention in Philadelphia next month and go to just bio.org to learn more about uh, our trade association and about biotechnology in general. All right. Last question. Personal message. Jim, putting you on the hot seat. Yep. I know you can handle it. What do you want to leave us with today? What I want to leave you with today is um, we can't have it both ways. We can't love the cures and the treatments and the medicines that save lives and hate the companies that are doing it. Um, we've had too much too much bashing of, of pharmaceutical companies. There have been some bad players and there's some bad examples. But for the most part, these are really serious scientists and really serious CEOs and entrepreneurs trying to do a good job. We need to figure out how to make sure everybody can get this message affordably without killing the hope of innovation. And I agree with you. There, You know, what did my mom used to say? Just take one rotten apple in the bunch to really tarnish. And, you know, we don't want to throw the whole bushel of apples out, right? 
You we sure don't. Nope. That, separate it apart, and we're seeing it. So thank you for getting up here. Thank you for what all you right. do. Thank you for doing what you're doing in Bucks County. Thanks for all of the above, Jim. <laughs> okay. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.